Okay folks, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Wal-Aqibatul Muttaqeen, Wal-A'udwana illa ala al-Zalimeen, Wassalamatullahi wassalamuhu ala ashraf al-Anbiya'i wal-Mursaleen, Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, I hope everybody's good. I was just playing around actually to see how this whole thing works. Oops. This doesn't look promising. Okay, folks, right. there we go. Just escaped entering the twilight zone or whatever we decided to call it last time. Oof, that was close. Anyway, so Alhamdulillah, MashaAllah, Tabarak Rahman, we are still enjoying a high quality looking picture. We should enjoy it as much as possible. Um, what is with the pink? That is a good point. We don't mind yani, upsetting everybody, but the one person we can't upset is the big girl, yani, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, she's the boss, the big boss. Here we go. There we are. Okay. The big boss, yani, needs to be looked after. I think that's okay, isn't it? Mace is hitting on everything, man. The, the loop, the loop, the loop, the loop. Time loop. Wasn't that a John claude Van Damme film? Time loop. Something like that. Yeah? Anyway. Anyway. Good to see you guys. Barakallahu feek. I want to give a special salam to Ma'iza. Because Ma'iza is our newbie today. So welcome to her. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, today we are studying, what are we studying today? The section of Ar-Rawatib. Who, who is going to post me the text and be a nice banda? Who is going to... <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Everything was a John, John Claude Van Damme film. Who's going to post me the Zakaria man instead of you? Zakaria, can you focus on your job, bro? And get me the text instead of yani, flapping around with John Claude Van Damme films. This is the problem, man. The dunya, dunya gets to you, bro. You're drowning in the dunya. Oh, don't say that. Oh, don't say that. No English. Oof. Oof. So who's who are we gonna blame for that? Who are we gonna blame for that? All right, we'll do it on the fly, as it always is. All right. So. Um, I will sort this out for next week, inshallah. God help me. Um, a new section of translated notes. This is what happens when uh, you upset Mesa and you're going on for too long. Then she basically boycotts you. She would normally have said, hey, I don't have any translated notes. But she was not interested because she knows that I've been taking liberties with the length of the time of the dars. She's not happy about that. So today we're going to be tight on the time. We're going to be bang on. Okay. We know that you are meant to remind me, but I know why you didn't remind me because you're upset. We get it. It's okay. Inshallah today you'll be made happy. Okay. So the text is, we are on page 68 of the commentary right at the top of a Sharh al-Mumti'a. And in the actual text of our actual study material, um, then... We are at his statement, Imam al-Hajjawi's statement, where he says, ثُمَّ أَسْسُنَنُ الرَّاتِبَةِ رَكَعَتَانِ قَبْلَ ظَهْرِ 
وركعتان بعدها وركعتان بعد المغرب وركعتان بعد العشاء وركعتان قبل الفجر وهما آكدها ومن فاته شيء منها سن له قضاؤه That's the Arabic The translation of said Arabic is And then the next in line of the supererogatory prayers, the whole group where we started off with the eclipse prayer and we went into taraweeh and we did witr and everything. And then, as-sunan ratiba the emphasized supererogatory, the formal... I've got no way. By the way, that's a point. We need to come up with a good translation for that. The formal, continuous, supererogatory prayers We'll play around with that in a second. That's the next in the list of the well-known, established, famous supererogatory prayers. What we packs called Sunnah Mu'akkada. Mu'akkada. Yeah? Alright. So the Sheikh says, so these prayers, these supererogatory established formal prayers are two units, two units before Dhuhr. And two units after it, and two units after Maghrib, and two units after Isha, and two units before Fajr. And these two are its most emphasized out of all of this total of 10. Then these two after before Fajr are the most emphasized of the whole lot. And whoever misses any of these, whoever misses. Any of these, it is a sunnah for him to make it up. It's a sunnah for him to make it up. Okay? Maybe if someone has... Uh, 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 maybe if someone is... Uh, uh, maybe uh, was able to type that out and maybe put it there so people can have eyes on the translation, that'd be great. Alright folks, Bismillah, let's start off with this and uh, let's try to ensure that we get our Q&A session started bang on the 55 minute mark or something like that. So Sheikh says, then the Sunan, right? Um, and he first starts off yani, by questioning the whole, the whole list because this has come after not only Taraweeh, it's come after Witr. And Sheikh goes like, well, you know, we need to try to understand what's actually going on here. Is this a list which is just reminding us, so it's a list without order, okay? Or is it a list of prioritization? Meaning they are really the, um, this is a list in order of excellence, or most emphasized, or most rewarded, or most important. Because if that's the case, then frankly, this list is not in the correct order, quote-unquote, okay? Now, I don't think that's the case. I think that this is a list just as a list of things, not in any particular order. Now, I just did some art about an hour ago, this tadabur kind of writing, and I said, and that's, of course, uh, by the way, obviously, uh, that's the big thing these days. Uh, that's the class that I'm going to be teaching this weekend in Europe in the morning, UK time, and then in Canadian time in the afternoon, UK afternoon, obviously, but it's going to be morning for the Canadians. It's all on almaghrib.org slash art, then in America in December, and then it'll be the rest of the world. And you can obviously jump in wherever you are online. Um, the one that I shared today on Facebook, 
What did I say? Order always matters. When it comes to the Quran, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes something or explains the process, or as is very common in the Quran, um, gives us a list. Order always matters. There is something to note in the order, whether ascending or descending in terms of prioritization or excellence or importance or whatever. And a lot of the time, you're able to be fortunate enough to work out why the order is in that order. But a lot of the time, we're not able to. A lot of the time, it's difficult. It requires some genius minds. And that's what people are meant to engage in. Think for themselves, try to work out why order matters. Uh, sometimes when you're thinking like this a lot and doing a lot of tadabbur, you know, when, upon the Quran and sometimes upon the hadith as well, then you start to do it to absolutely everything. And the problem with doing it with absolutely everything is that actually there's nothing there to find and you kind of overthink the issue. So this is an example where maybe we're overthinking the issue. This is not a list to indicate yani, an order of excellence, but rather it's just a basic list, like a shopping list. It's the first thing that comes to your head. Okay. Um, so I just want to say that. All right. So we're talking about a sunan al-ratiba. Sheikh says, al-ratiba al-da'ima al-mustamirra, continuous. Okay. These are... That's what he means by al-ratiba. Always done, da'ima, and mustamirra. Always done, and it's done continuously. Okay? وَهِيَ تَابِعَةٌ الْفَرَائِدِ And it is connected to the obligatory prayers. So when people ask, what's the, what's the, what's the, what's the ratiba? Or what, the, what are the sunan al-rawatib? Or what are the rawatib? Or what is the sunan al-ratiba? There are different ways of saying it. A sunan al-ratiba. Or you call them al-rawatib. Okay? Or you call them Sunnah Mokada if you're a Pak. And if you are an Arab, then you can say As Sunan Al Mu'akkada, As Sunan Al Mu'akkada, meaning the emphasized Sunnah. And all of these, when people mention these phrases, are referring to the same concept. And what is that? These units of prayer, which are always done every day, not obligatory, but they are connected specifically to the obligatory prayers. So we all know what they are. How are we going to translate that? Guys, give me some give me some help here. Let's have your best suggestions. What's going to be the neatest phrase for a sunan al-ratiba? The formal emphasized supererogatory prayers? The formal continuous supererogatory prayers? You see, even these phrases are not good enough because we need because when you say ratiba, yeah, we are we are trying to whenever we say rawatib, yani there are many emphasized sunnah prayers, okay, like a duha, salat duha, right, or shuruq, okay, but that's not the rawatib, and why formal? I I agree, I'm overthinking it. Meaning, the reason I said formal is to try to express the fact that this is not to do with the with casual moments here and there, whatever. I said formal. Yeah, now I know why I said formal. I said formal to try and replace this, the fact that it, it has to be always be connected to the obligatory prayers. There is no sunan al-rawatib without, without an obligatory prayer. That's why I said formal. So the, what are the main points I want to get across in the word ratiba? We want to get across, um, yeah, 
Wathaqib says, by the way, that Imam Hajawi said, Akaduha. Okay? But it could be understood that he said that in a general sense, which is obviously me stretching it, or he actually felt that those were more important. And anyway, you remember right at the beginning of the chapter that we said that, you know, that he, that's not right anyway. Okay? So, you see, the word adjunct is in interesting. Established is interesting. Okay? Um, so what we want to get across, that they are always done every day, that they are continuously done, that they are only done associated with the, the obligatory prayer, and they are always linked to the obligatory prayer. Normative sunnah prayer. My fear with normative sunnah prayer is that it becomes just normal. Okay? And clearly their value is not just normal. These are from the most established of the prayers. We have to try and bring that out. Normative sunnah prayers could be argued to be those which are غير مؤكد, right? Not emphasized or that which is done whatever. Do you know what I mean? I mean, we're never going to be able to work out because you see the problem is, is that in the Arabic language, we've actually got a very specific phrase for them. You never use ratiba or rawatib for any of the other emphasized sunnah prayers. So when you say normative sunnah or emphasized sunnah or whatever, then you are always, you, you know, you're deficient. And I don't know whether anybody is seeing, yeah, that's what they are. They are the emphasized supererogatory prayers linked to the compulsory prayers. That's what they are. We can't have a title like that, isn't it? It's one word in Arabic, ratiba or rawatib. We can't have the only six words, seven words, right? Routine, routine sunnah prayers. Yeah, I've got to tell you that I like routine sunnah prayers, right? Routine sunnah prayers more than normative sunnah prayers. That's more accurate for me, routine sunnah prayers. And I think that when you hear the word routine sunnah, even though that is also deficient, because the duha is a routinely prayed sunnah prayer. Do you know what I mean? All of these are going to have a problem. Nothing is going to be perfect. I just think that we need to go and agree with something and then stick to it. All of these are valid. Yani. It's not like they're very, very poor. We are really trying to do something difficult. All right? see how we can't have yani, the, the daily fard adjacent emphasized prayer. We've got to, you know what I mean? Uh, 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 we can't make it very long. I get that there's flexibility because the issue is difficult, but we can't have many, many words. It's crazy, man. It's ugly. You know what I'm saying? It's not right. It's not clever. I think more time we spend with it, I think whatever. It'd be nice if we can, uh, maybe during the class, maybe hit the right kind of uh, phrase. Um, I think, why don't we just keep the term rawatib, a sunan rawatib? Yeah? Uh, yeah. I think that we, we, we think about it and revisit it, okay? Alright, so, Sheikh says that the author has said it's two before Dhuhr, two after Maghrib, two after Dhuhr again, so that's four, and then two after Maghrib, two before Isha, and then two uh, 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 after Isha, two before Fajr. That's ten raka'ah. And Salatul Asr basically is not, then uh, doesn't have a set of Sunnah Ratiba, okay? Or a sunan ratiba or a sunan or a rawatib. Alright, it doesn't actually have one. Um, but Ashir Atameen says 
that doesn't mean that there's no sunnah to pray around the asr prayer because there's always the general sunnah. The general sunnah, and again you see, right? And Sheikh uses the phrase sunnah mutlaqa, the absolute yani, sunnah. Absolute meaning yani, that they are free and unattached. They are unattached and unaffiliated with anything. That's what mutlaqa means, right? It's been let go and been freed, right? Like from talaq, right? So let go freed and open and easy and relaxed and happy as divorced folks often are. So, um, these don't have a specific reason or a connection or a time or whatever and can be done and they are specified by the reason that you're going to do them or a moment that you're going to do them or a certain time. So we know, for example, that one of the general sunan of the day is to pray two rak'ah between uh, uh, the adhan and iqama. And this is... Uh, 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 this is specific, but it's also general. It's specific to the Adhan and Iqama, but it's general in that it can be a, 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 a prayed for all of the prayers that have the Adhan and the Iqama. And Asr, of course, has an Adhan and Iqama. And so in between the Adhan and Iqama, you can pray two raka'ah. And that would be in the Asr time, linked to the Asr time block, but it's li and linked to the Adhan for Asr, but it's not, an, it's not a specific Sunnah. It's not a Ratiba. So that's something that can be done regardless. All right. Um, so these are 10. And this has some evidence for it as well. The hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma, in which he said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that I memorized from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 10 units. And then he mentioned them. Two uh, before Dhuhr, two after Dhuhr, two after Maghrib, two after Isha, two before Fajr. This hadith narrated by Imam Bukhari, 1180. So it's very authentic and clear. This is, this is one of the two opinions in the uh, uh, issue. The second opinion is that it is 12. Actually, there are more opinions. There's hadith as well that mention 14 as well. That's the third opinion. But these are the two main opinions, 10 and 12. Because there are a number of hadith that speak about actual number totals in the day. But they're not all as authentic as one another and there is a little bit of flexibility. But what we can say is that the two main opinions, I think we should say on behalf of Sheikh Uthameen, alayhi rahmatullah, the two main opinions in the issue is that it's either you pray 10 or the second opinion is you pray 12. And the 12 opinion is based upon a number of a hadith. For example, in Sahih Bukhari, again, Aisha radiallahu anha, she said, كَانَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ لَا يَدَعُوا أَرْبَعًا قَبْلَ الظُّهْرِ that the Aisha said that the Prophet ﷺ never left off the four before Dhuhr, four units before Dhuhr. And these hadith so far have only been mentioning two. Aisha is adding an extra two. What's interesting here is that this is very possible, the two raka'ah that other folks did not see. We know that in principle, the sunnah of praying sunnah is to pray them at home. And Aisha is going to be best placed to know what she did. She might have seen two there. And then seen another two in a masjid, or seen four at home, and then walked into the masjid straight for the iqama. There's so many possible. There's so many possibilities, right? A reminder everybody to press on the YouTube video. Uh, there's a typo on page 69. It should say Warakatan Ba'd al Fajr Oh yes, very good. Well spotted. There is a typo in the Arabic text in Al Mumtia. All right, well done. On the top of page 69, it does say, uh, although it's not been repeated in the commentary, but in the actual text part of the top, 
it does say after Fajr when it should say Qabl al-Fajr. Um, let me just make sure that he's got it right in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, in the commentary is fine. All right, um, so uh, yeah, I was just going to say that everybody, please make sure that you press the live button. There's a, there's a button called live and you press it and if it's showing red, then you're up to date. And if it's not showing red, then you're behind. Okay, folks? Right, so, um, so this first hadith of Aisha, hadith Bukhari, number 1182. Yeah, this is the Saudi print, okay? So the Egyptian print is clearly fine. This is the Saudi print, which is that one, uh, which is that one, okay? This is Ibn Josie, isn't it? Yeah, Ibn Josie print, okay? Please press the live button, everybody. Um, yeah, there's a typo in the thingy. Let's just make sure that we fix that. Okay. Um, now, the other hadith is um, the statement of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, okay? The statement of the Prophet Sallallahu that whoever prays 12 units other than the obligatory prayers, Allah will build for him thereby or through that a house in paradise. So whoever prays 12 units in the day other than the obligatory prayer, then through that action, because of that action, Allah will build for him a house in paradise. This hadith is narrated by uh, Imam Muslim. You'll find it in Sahih Muslim in number 728. Okay. And when the Prophet ﷺ then listed those, he listed each one. Uh, 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 except that he st said four raka'ah before dhuhr, two raka'ah after dhuhr, two after maghrib, two after isha, two before fajr. So what you basically get is four is twelve. Now I just want you to know that the difference between ten, twelve, and fourteen in terms of units, all three are authentically narrated hadith, uh, hadith and and three authentic positions about how many you should do in a day. Clearly, twelve is a is a target. Ten is what a minimum is. Fourteen is a great result. And the difference between 10 and 14 is obviously 4, and the difference between 10 and 12 is obviously 2, and all of these are around the dhuhr prayer. So you start off with 2 before and 2 after as a basic minimum for dhuhr, and then you add 2 before it to get, take up to the, the, the ideal and most established and correct position, and the vast majority of scholars are upon 12. And then if you want to take it to the level of the 14, then you will pray 2 extra after dhuhr. So it's always adding more before and after dhuhr. So sunnah, the dhuhr is the flexible one okay so sheikh says so based upon this the correct statement or the most authentic statement and the most correct position is that the rawatib and the rawatib is that the rawatib are 12 units the obligatory adjunct emphasized continuous formal supererogatory prayers yep are 12 i we really do need a word for that the rawatib are 12 okay and he goes two before fajr four before dhuhr and he says and he makes the point the four before dhuhr obviously in the hanafi school they pray as all four units just like they would pray the obligatory four of dhuhr okay only one set of only one set of taslims whereas uh the majority the three imams and the majority of the salaf and sheikh uthameen here is emphasizing that these four that occur before dhuhr they are actually two units of two. So you've got to give salam and break from the two before you start again. 
Now, I just want you to know that obviously continuing with your madhab and your opinion upon four is absolutely fine. It's a mujtahid, it's a mujtahid opinion. It's held by mujtahid scholars. Therefore, it becomes a established position, even though we might consider it to be not the most authentic and the most correct way. But when we say not the most correct way, we don't mean that a person is making a mistake and doing wrong. We just believe that the evidence for the position to do it as a continuous four, when there's so much evidence to show that he would send and pray as a two-two, that we should therefore uh, do that. But it's not a major, not a biggie, don't yani, panic. I find a lot of people panic on the whole four raka'a issue when they learn about the two units, two units concept. Almost always our sunnah, our non-obligatory prayers are always in two units, basically, unless there's a very clear, well-established exception. Um, Sheikh then says, uh, uh, let's. Uh, uh, then he mentions a couple of things, and I just want to. He does. He only mentions a line, but I want to speak a little bit about these uh, rawatib. That um, obviously the problem that we have today is that as each generation comes, these are disappearing, right? So I'm pretty sure even the generation of these fo- the the folks in this class who are probably older than the 18s and the millennials and the Xs or whatever, not the Xs, we're X, aren't we? So millennials and then super millennials or whatever they are. Generation Zs, whatever, you'll see that pro- progressively it's getting worse. So our parents and our grandparents, our grandparents especially, wouldn't miss any of that behavior. I mean, they'd be absolutely on these rawatib and be adding to it with the ghair mu'akkada as well, adding even more they can find. And I don't mean just packs, but I mean all the nations. Our parents kind of kept that going with that ritualistic kind of fervor and so on. Maybe less invested into the quality of it, maybe a little bit, yeah, and more ritualistic. More keeping up with the with the game, yeah, and uh, and uh, the kind of the loyalty to the to their to their the loyalty to their kind of culture and how it is so emphasized, but maybe not yeah, and as much as quality. Then I would argue that Generation X and my generation and those who are in their forties, maybe the fifties, but thirties, etc. Um, those folks probably kind of improved the quality of their prayer, a higher quality prayer, both obligatory and sunnah but they reduced in the number and the continuity and their steadfastness upon these ruatib. And then every generation after that has been in just free form. Okay, you just do not find people praying the sunnah, do elaborate kind of moves and scams to avoid praying the sunnah, the ruatib. And, you know, whereas, you know, young folks today, and by the way, I don't mean kids, because kids don't naturally want to pray anything, let alone the sunnah. So let's not hold kids accountable. I mean when they're 18, 20, 22, as you uh, see that um, people have just provided for themselves so much more entertainment and things to do uh, to keep themselves busy with, which they think is more valuable to them, beneficial to them, other than ibadah in general, let alone the sunnah prayers or the rawatib. So we really, really need to uh, reflect upon this point. Um, I really think that the where it starts before anything else, honestly, is to prove it to those in our own actions. I think that we don't do it enough. I think that we don't pray enough. And I get it that we were the first kind of like generation in our Western countries especially. And I know that there's a difference between the West and the East, but still, in the Western countries, we were the first generation that were kind of like more public-facing. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the, in terms of our work public facing or retail or professional and um, what this kind of meant is that we were um, we kind of find or justify to ourselves that we don't have a lot of time to pray but we definitely will pray 
The irony is that you take that every day of the week over the previous generation who were far... Tell me if I'm right or wrong. Share your opinion with this. The previous generation or our parents' generation in their working lives in the West as well, whether they're professional or just labor or basic, they were more likely not to pray, but then make up the prayer, Qazar prayer at the end of the day, and they would knock out all of the Sunan and Nafals and this and that in one just one big blurb, right? But they wouldn't have either the permission or the opportunity or the wherewithal to go forth and, you know, assert themselves and pray in public or in their workplaces or in their breaks. The minority would. So that's the irony, right? They would, if they get the opportunity to pray, they smash the prayer proper, but they would find that opportunity very rarely or they would justify it to themselves very rarely and they would justify to themselves that, oh, I can't or it's too politically untenable or my clothes are bullied, you know, that whole bakwa saying, my clothes are bullied, my clothes are bullied. Just, you know, convincing yourself that your clothes are not clean enough, which is just nonsense, right? So excuses, but when they did, they would do it, right? Proper. Whereas... This is why you can't blame these generations and certainly even I'll say even the younger kind of folks, right? Um, you'll find that what they uh, would do is that they would really ensure that, that they understand and they did understand and point in the practice and that's why they're called practicing that the obligatory rest can never ever be missed. There's no, this nonsense of Gaza at the end of the day is a complete fraud and a fabrication and a cultural idea and we've got to pray. And if that means we sacrifice the sunnah to ensure that continues, then so be it. And I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'll take that. 100%. Never can we equate between the obligatory and the sunnah. It'd be nice if we, you know, maybe reduced some of the things that we would then do in the rest of that break or that moment and try to get the sunnah in. Especially if we will increase um, charm, you know. Anyway, I hope you get what I'm trying to say. That it is... Yeah, I need six of one and half a dozen of the other. There are, yeah, I need some, uh, I think. You see, Qamar says, I think the younger generations will get better as they age. I don't think they will. Okay? I think that one of the reasons why the rawatib are, aratiba al-mustamirra al-da'ima, is that they are very dependent on the habit. They are very dependent on the habit. When you're into the game, you just can't get out of it unless it's really problematic. Okay, I told you my example, my father. My father, whatever happens, wherever he is, whatever country, whatever, he will uh, always pray al-awwabin, yani number of, um, uh, you know, units after the, the Maghrib prayer in all circumstances, all situations. And these are the least emphasized of the Sunnah prayers. Yeah, but he's so into that habit. And we all know the packs that do the nafal every time, two raka'ah nafal after the Sunnah of Maghrib or after the Sunnah of etc etc it's coming from habit habit is very very important they actually themselves only do it as well as they do or as often as they do because they saw that their parents our grandparents were even yani was so habitually on it so no i do honestly think that because they don't have the habit and they're not seeing the habit the younger generations i don't think it'll get better and the proof of that is because our generation didn't get better okay our generation didn't get better. Um, so, you know, I just, I think it's something to reflect upon and I think that it is something to be worried about. You might say, why should we, we how, why should we be worried? Uh, Selma asked the question, yani, how do we instill in ourselves the importance of Sunnah, of Sunan um, uh, Rawatib or Ar-Rawatib? And the reason is, is because there are a number of uh, uh, reasons actually. Uh, one of them is a, 
uh, I, 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 don't, I don't even know where to start. Uh, let's start with at the top. The quality of your obligatory prayer is dependent upon how still and into the game and into the mood that you are at the beginning. And that only happens if you've already done something. So when a person like legs it in and he's late and he run iqamah is gone and the imam's already said Allahu Akbar and he runs in Allahu Akbar and he's all about yeah you know what's going on where am I what am I doing what's happening you know what I'm trying to say it's it's just like you know he's all over the place and the quality of this obligatory key you know mega prayer is ruined and personal experience shows that a person who comes ten minutes before that before the iqamah comes calm relaxed prays yani two rakaat sunnah and in that sunnah he basically gets out of his system all of the nonsense, the rush, the heart rate, the adrenaline, the calm, the looks, the environment, gets himself used to the game. Whatever. It's just like an exam, right? There's no way that you can compare a person who just takes an exam like that versus someone who revises for it, prepares for it, takes the mock exam, knows what's going to happen, used to the, kind of, used to the warm-up, exactly. Just like an exercise. Just like an exercise. You jump straight into, you know, Without yani, having done us some gentle stretches. It's gentle stretches. You might have a little chat here and there. And you know you get warmed up. And your muscles warmed up. And you'll save yourself injury. And you will really have a proper session afterwards. Actually this is everything in life. The irony is that we all get this fully. We all understand and accept this. I mean you can give so many cliched examples. The point is that we accept and know it. And yet somehow we think it doesn't apply to Salah. Uh, it doesn't apply to our obligatory prayer. I mean you're kidding me. So that's just the logical kind of aspect. Right? That we should come and be finished and then lift our hands and then yani, make dua and so on. So um, so I think that's important. Um, and I will come back to what Adil is talking about as well. What's the Hanafi? Yani, does the Hanafi kind of reality of coming down hard upon people who don't pray? Is that a factor? Of course it is. Right? Um, but anyway. Um, so... That's the first uh, 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 reason why they should be prayed or the importance of the sunnah. The second, of course, is because of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, which is absolutely um, uh, uh, shows how essential they are when you realize that your obligatory prayer is going to be 100% deficient. So you see, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells you that your prayer is going to be deficient, then whatever you think that you're trying to do, then, you know, just listen, just pause, bro, just chill. Your prayer is going to be deficient. And when the Prophet ﷺ says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the final day will tell the angels, they'll go now assess the, the, the hadith sahih, sahih in, the, in the sahih of Ibn Hibban. The Prophet ﷺ described that moment. The angels will then reach into like a container. And the container will... Uh, uh, for obligatory acts and a container for non-obligatory acts and the acts will be removed taken out one by one and so Allah will just say let's uh, let's assess the prayer so the prayer will be taken out and it'll be examined in this kind of metaphysical way or uh, I don't say metaphorical obviously it's going to happen but in a way that we don't understand and the prayer is going to be presented and and it's going to be assessed and it's going to be deficient it's not going to be good enough and the servant in the other versions of this hadith the slave, us, we, me, you will be there and we're like thinking, oh my God, this was what I was dependent upon. This is the obligatory prayer. This is what makes me Muslim. This is what saves me from kufr. I'm dead. And then it'll be just like, yani, relief out of less nowhere. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will turn to the angels and say, reach into his non-obligatory container. 
and they will reach in and they will pull out the non-obligatory, all of the sunnah and nafal and all these prayers that you've done which were not obligatory and they are basically then taken and the obligatory is fixed and made beautiful and, you know, it's just basically made great. So, um, and then Allah will then say to the angels, do the same for all the rest of the actions. Right? Do the same for all the rest of the actions. So the same will happen for zakah. This is because I'm moving my hands around, folks. Um, and uh, the same will be done for... So zakat is going to be deficient. And God knows how deficient our zakat is. We don't even know how much to pay, when to pay, what to pay. You know how rubbish we are. So that's why it's so important to give sadaqah. Because sadaqah will then fix all the holes in our zakat presentation. And then... Of course, everybody press the live button, folks. The camera is absolutely fine. Okay, press the live button on the video. The red dot should always be showing. If your red dot is not showing, you're miles behind. Um, the, uh, what's it called? Um, then the, the Hajj will be pulled out, right? And Umrah will fix it. And then Ramadan will be pulled, will be pulled out. And our Mondays and our Thursdays and our uh, Shawwal and our Muharrams and all of that lot. And Ayyam al all of these uh, uh, supererogatory fasts will be pulled out. And we will be thinking we're destroyed and then our supererogatory actions will save us. Anybody who understands this, who knows, and then marries this with the other hadith of the Prophet Wasallam, that um, whoever uh, 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 stands in, in front of the, whoever stands in prayer, then they will either get a half of the prayer or a quarter of the, a third of the prayer, or a quarter of the prayer, and the Prophet ﷺ kept going down until he said a tenth of the prayer. All right, meaning that the actual reward and the achievement that you achieve as soon as you start is already yani going wrong. Meaning that if we're not focused and not absolutely killing it with not worrying about work and X and Y and Z and our heart rate and yani the guy next to us and all the you know bloody blah. Then, you know, so we're already on the back foot. We already know that our prayer is going to be deficient. I already spoke about the idea that there is an intrinsic wisdom in how after salam we say astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. Three times istighfar. Even if you think you've prayed that absolute winner of a prayer, you messed up somewhere or you were deficient somewhere. So if you know that and you know how important the obligatory prayer is, and the hadith, another hadith of the Prophet ﷺ in which he said, if the prayer is good, everything else will be good. Right? In terms of deen. So in terms of our, our end, it's all about the prayer. Yeah, if you want to like, uh, if you want to discover the single most important act that you need to perfect, then it's the prayer. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, if the prayer is good, everything else will be good. So that's his khuluq, and that's his yani ibadah, and that's his dhikr, and his charity. If you want all of that to be good, you've got to sort out your prayer. And you know how many times I've said before, the one who prays is always in the game. Whatever sin they're doing, whatever sin they're doing, they might be any drinking, they might be clubbing, they might not be wearing hijab, they might not be X, Y, Z, whatever they're doing, right? You're in the prayer, you're in the game. However poor the prayer, however one a day up the prayer is, or one a week, the prayer, you've got a little bit of something. You've got something and that can always be leveraged. And, you know, Insan is a funny person, we are uh, incredibly complex people, but our our the simplicity of our faith of our faith is astounding. We will always come back to the simple 
common denominator, our dependency upon our need to call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? Um, and and uh, I, I really love what Widada said, right? People are so arrogant right now. People are so arrogant in their lives. And when you, and, and you know, there's so much, I think, I think Widad calls it toxic positivity. And um, I think it's a very, very important um, uh, subject that we need to speak more about or whatever. People don't like hearing bad news, bad things, negativity. They always kind of, you know, criticize you. They just want to always be hearing the good stuff, right? So um, this concept of toxic positivity has got a lot to, you know, be speaking about. And what we're finding right now, um, what I've been speaking about this for a while, but so it's not right now, but... Uh, you know, I've mentioned that people don't really give reminders about Jannah and Nar anymore. And if they do, then they'll only focus on Jannah and the good things. And like it's anathema to mention yani punishment or adab or to describe that. It's like feels off. Or, you know, people don't want to talk about harams. You're the haram police. You know, all of this is given some kind of negativity, right? It's all given negativity. And people, and then that's why this, uh, the opposite of that, which is their perception of positivity is actually not a real genuine positivity. It's a toxic positivity. It's a positivity that is misguided and has destroyed them, their, their mindset and so on. And we were discussing this uh, uh, in our group somewhere. I don't know, we were, with Dad and Shaz and my, I can't remember where it was, but we were discussing this. And it's so, it's so, you know, <laughs> after the Eid debacle. The Eid Khutbah debacle, we really came kind of to the to the fore that this is a is a problem. And so therefore, when you don't feel that sense of desperation and that fear and, and whatever, and I mentioned this today in the Quranic art uh, that I uh, 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 the Quranic art piece that I wrote today on Facebook, that um, the real skill in this life is to never feel safe and to always feel dependent upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, always, especially. In the good times. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, right? That's the ayah I was reflecting upon. That was the today's art. Yeah. That we tested them with the good times and the bad times. Right? Now I want you to know that that our natural kind of disposition is to understand you're being tested when it's bad times. You know, you don't normally like when is the last time that you saw someone, you know, get a good yani uh a good result or pass an exam or get a promotion or move house or get married and you say to them khair inshallah you know khair inshallah have sabr or you know be strong or be focused you know you might think that but when is the last time you said that versus so-and-so's ill or my mom's ill or my i lost my job or whatever khair yani subhanallah i'm here for you i'm that for you yani i'm saying that we would have understood this that when someone says Listen, man, I've smashed it. I've got a thing in my salary has been doubled and promoted. And you say, bro, I'm here for you. I'm for you. This is, a, you know, we have to be careful here, bro. Alhamdulillah, but we've got to be careful. I'm here for you. You know, I, I'm, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? I, I'm not expressing it very well, but you get my point. And that's why I believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, puts al-hasanat before as-sayyat because that's the more dangerous, the more hidden, the more, yeah, uh, the more difficult to see naturally, and so Allah gives it an artificial promotion. How does Allah? How does Allah artificially? I say artificially, quote unquote. Yeah, and He makes something more important in our eyes when all of it should be important. So He uses the balagha or the the skill or the He He 
he uses the the available tools and the tool of prioritizing a word in a sentence when it should be bad times, good times, okay, but instead sw switching it makes us realize that Allah did that for a reason. We notice it, it's going against the rule, therefore we notice it more. And you remember in Al-Adab al mufrad we speak about this, that when the Prophet ﷺ wanted to emphasize things, he would either stand up or he would point his finger and his very common thing would be that he'd be narrating hadith like this, Allah wa qawla zur. Alright? So he would be mentioning a list of things that are haram and you shouldn't do this, that, whatever. And suddenly in one of them, he would lean forward and focus and look and the companions would notice it. They would, they would narrate it like that. He was leaning and saying this, and then he leant forward and he looked at us and he said, or he would repeat it three times. These are all techniques, of course, that we all use as humans in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this divine way um, to emphasize things. So the good times are a, a, a real problem. And uh, 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 we feel so safe and so self-sufficient, as Budad said, and we are so afraid of negativity and we are so toxically positive at the moment that we just don't feel the need. We just think our obligatory prayer is great. We just feel that this is an extra action. We don't even, as, as you heard the guys are saying earlier on, it's not obligatory, so give me a break. Well, yeah, they got a point. But, you know, the non-obligatory things are actually what save us. The obligatory things are our absolute bare minimum, but it's the non-obligatory aspects of our deen that, that, that you know, give us security, that protect, that, that fix. And, uh, yeah... And I gave an example of a Sufyan Athori. I was reading this just the other day. It's very famous, everybody knows it, but uh, you know, there, there's different narrations uh, associating the statement with different members of the Salaf. Like Imam Ahmed is narrated to have said it, and others of the Salaf have said it, no doubt. And they probably did say it. But the famous one is of Sufyan Athori, that they used to say that when we used to see him making dua, he would, and dua mean crying out to Allah, he would make dua like the one yani, who's drowning. You know, if you're drowning, you're just like, ya Allah, ya Allah, yani, you know, you're, you're drowning, right? You can't get more, more pure and sincere and desperate a dua. You're not calling upon anyone. You're not yeah, focusing on anyone. You know that this is... I took the example last week about letting go. Right? Last week, a week before about letting go. Oh no, that was fiqh of death. Sorry, sorry. My apologies. Not uh, a logical progression. It was in the fiqh of death about you know, when is the last time that you actually thought that that's it. It's game over. You're dead. I've been, I've been there a couple of times. And I remember the environment. You just let go. Yes, it's given up. You know that even with all the, the safety people and the this and the that and your jacket that you're wearing or whatever, I was drowning once. And I said, that's it, it's all over. Allah saves me, saves me. If not, then I said, that desperation. They used to say about Sufyan Athari that that's what he used to look like when he used to make dua. When he used to make dua, safe, in his home, nice, chilling, great clothes, great yani situation, all the rest of it. And, um, you know, he used to make dua like that. He's able to cut through the, the, the mirage of this self-sufficiency and the blessings of life and realize that he's still and even more dependent upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these, in these uh, good times. So I hope, uh, I hope that you uh, realize this, that uh, it's one thing giving da'wah to other people, but like I said to you at the beginning, I honestly believe that the way that we fix this situation is to us increase in it. And the more that our children do it, okay, the more that uh, I, I, I'll give you an example, an interesting example. You know that absolutely. Um, uh, you know uh, uh, the practice of making du'a after the prayer. I, I, I'm, I'm actually quite against it, even though I, of course, I accept its legitimacy. But it's become one of those things which is ritualistically now associated with the prayer, and people believe that the prayer is not a valid prayer or 
it's not a congregational prayer that was done properly unless the imam lifts hands and for that reason i really don't like the practice okay it's turned into a proper legitimate bid'ah okay because the mentality of the people have made it absolutely associated with the prayer when it has actually nothing to do with the prayer obviously it's an idea and a good opportunity because you put forward a great act of worship and every time that you make dua and you put something forward to allah that's a great moment to make dua if you, that putting forward to allah is either an act of worship or an act of sacrifice or a fitna that you've gone through that you've been patient that's why the prophet said that the dua of the muslim is accepted the dua of the walid upon his child because he's putting up with incredible stress and whatever and being patient and the dua of the one who is in safar in, tra- in traveling because of course traveling is a portion of punishment as the prophet said everybody puts forward something in terms of either not being compl- not complaining which is a, a, an act of good or doing an act of good or being patient which is an act of good so it can be active or passive when you put something forward then you make dua and that's a sunnah of life and the prayer is as good an act as it gets um i i don't do that i pray my i make my dua in the sunnah times of dua between adhan iqama in in very, very uh, non-specific times in the night times when i'm traveling i will make the dua as i understand the sunnah to be very rarely uh, uh, in the uh, at the end of the prayer and as a result my children have never or hardly ever made dua after their prayer okay when i was young i understood nothing else from the prayer except that you've got to make dua at the end of it okay and that's because i never saw my parents miss it now here's the interesting thing when my kids go and spend time with my parents for a few days afterwards when they're praying they will make dua the younger ones obviously and now it's not happening so much because they're getting older. But they will make dua after the end of the prayer. These things, when it comes to ritualistic sunnah acts, are entire, not entirely, but massively linked to habit and observation. So when people say to me, what's the way, what's the score? What's, I'm, you know, Yes, we can explain the importance. I've told you that it helps you prepare for the obligation. We need it. It fixes our prayers, whatever. Um, uh, it's something that the Prophet ﷺ didn't miss. He would always pray it. So it's a rewarded sunnah as well. I'll tell you another hadith. There's so many hadith actually, but another very interesting hadith um, is the companion who came to the Prophet Sallallahu and he said that I want you to be your companion in paradise. It's a beautiful hadith. You all know it. So the Prophet Sallallahu said, well, help me achieve that. Well, help me to help you achieve that. No, help me, help yourself basically achieve that. Yeah, right? And the Prophet, yeah, the companion was waiting for... Um, you know the solution and he said sujood, yani, by increasing in sujood right by increasing your act of sajda by doing more finding more reasons to make sajda which means more reasons to pray which means more supererogatory prayer you will be my companion in paradise and there are a number of hadith that support this principle as well so i think that even though there's enough logical islamic reasons to establish the prayer i think that we need to focus more on making it a habit in our own lives. Whether uh, whether we say that our elders did the habit for the wrong reasons or not good enough reasons or ritualistic reasons, it doesn't matter. I, we know. Okay, so just do it. Let's create the habit. Let's make it anything that's always attached to us and that we see so that they also follow us uh, in that. Okay? All right. Um, so then Sheikh says, uh, the, so the two raka'ah before Fajr, and they are, it's most emphasized, okay? Most emphasized from the rawatib, okay? 
And the reason why they are the most emphasized, these two sunnah of Fajr, is because the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith, al-Fajr, that the two units of Fajr, the two sunnah units of Fajr, are better than that which is, the, the, are better than the dunya and everything that it contains, the world and what it contains. This hadith is narrated by Imam Muslim, hadith number 725. Okay? Shaykh Uthameen says, yani, think about that, yani, from the first day that everything has been created, okay? Right? Until the final day, until the final day, from all of its luxuries and its wealth and from its gold and from its silver and its jewels and its enjoyment and its palaces and its stallions and its cars and its houses and its X and its Y. Can you imagine, subhanAllah, that these two miskeen, two units is better than all of that, better than all of that. And it's something, frankly, which is impossible. And let me say straight out. It's impossible to perceive, okay? Um, you just have to just take it. You just have to just draw your breath back and just go with the flow because it's a madness, right? That's how emphasized they are, how important they are and how rewarded they are. And all of that, and another uh, 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 hadith, which another evidence, which specifies, which which emphasizes, which uh, which uh, indicates their emphasis, is that the Prophet never would leave them out, whether he was at home or whether he was traveling. And we know that when you're traveling, right, you don't pray the rawatib. That's one of the very interesting, uh, uh, specific nature of the, the the traveler is that he doesn't pray the rawatib. And I just remind you of a narration. Before we come to this section in a couple of months or whatever, um, of Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma, and he was in a masjid, I believe. Although, yeah, yani some narrations show that he was just outside, but he was on he was on a, a travel. He was he was a traveler, and the party that was with him were traveling, and uh, he finished the the prayer, and he just sat there, and they were just chilling. They were not doing anything. That's the key. And one of the companions came to him and said to him, um. Why, listen man, you're not doing anything and you're always praying sunnah and I just don't get it. You're sitting here and you're just not going to pray. Yeah, and you might as well pray. I mean, you know, I know that you love it and whatever, but you might as well pray. Why not? You know, just knock out some prayers. And uh, Abdullah ibn Umar says that if that was the case, then yani, don't you think it, it would be a higher priority to make my, to pray my obligatory prayers in full? Yeah, and if you thought this was just a time issue or a uh, an opportunity issue or I've got the chance to issue, then instead of just praying the dhuhr, I just prayed as two rakah or the asr, I just prayed as two rakah. Don't you think it would be more important to actually make that a four? What is, which is as beautiful and as deep an answer as it gets to how we should understand the sunnah of not praying the rawatib, despite how important they are, when we're traveling. And yet, despite that, very established sunnah that all the imams agree upon that you do not pray the rawatib is sunnah, not do not, it's not haram to, but you is sunnah to not pray the rawatib when you're traveling. Yet the Prophet always prayed Salatul Fajr, never missed Salatul Fajr, uh, the, 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 the two sunnah of Fajr. Whether he's at home, whether he's traveling, like the Salatul Witr. These are the two prayers that are always prayed every single day. Whatever happens, the two sunnah of Fajr and the last three rakah and the, the, the witr prayer, three units of witr. So this is another uh, um, evidence for its excellence. 
So these two units, they have some characteristics. What are these characteristics? First of all, they are legislated in at home and away. They are legislated whilst you are a resident and you're traveling. The second is is reward. All right. They are specifically characterized by the fact that they are better than the dunya and that which it contains. The third characteristic is that they are very short and light. They are done quickly. All right. They are not done. Uh, uh, they're not long. They're not heavy. And this maybe is something from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, divine kind of indication so that we don't find them heavy to do or burdensome to do. Like the night prayer, people are already jing themselves up and know that, you know, your two units are going to be half hour long, an hour long, eight units for a good couple of hours. So, you, you know, so you find it more difficult to do and, you know, to G yourself up. But if you're being told that, listen, this is a two unit prayer that you knock out in literally two minutes, literally two minutes, then he's more likely to do it as well. Um, these two units were so quick, obviously we've covered this before, but these two units were so quick that Aisha radiallahu uh, anha uh, uh, said, The Prophet used to be so light and so quick in these two units of, of the Sunnah of Salatul Fajr that I would sometimes uh, say, I would say to myself, that did he even recite Fatiha? Now imagine that. You know, if you see a person who's praying and they just stand up and then they go, Allahu Akbar. What's your immediate yani thinking? You're thinking, man, that's a disgrace. That's what you're saying, isn't it? That's a disgrace. That's the immediate thing that you're thinking. That guy, he's praying his prayer and he's just, I can't even say, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Yomidin before that guy's gone. For, so you're already, yani, you know, you're, you're wondering. Now imagine that Aisha obviously knows that the Prophet ﷺ is not doing anything wrong and obviously going to be perfect in his ibadah. And she's now wondering that, oh, sugar, these are two units, yani, which obviously maybe don't even have Fatiha because that's so quick. Now, this is probably an exaggeration from Aisha, all right? But you get the point because, of course, it's not possible to pray any units without the Fatiha. We know that he did recite the Fatiha and there's no doubt about that, okay? But that's why he said that because, she said that because they were so quick. Also, the fourth characteristic about that is what's recited in these two units. They're very, very common. Um, very, very common to uh, uh, Sunnah to establish when it comes to the recitation. In the first rakah, so the first the, the first way of praying the, these two Sunnah of Fajr is to recite Qul ya ayyuhal kafirun, la abudu ma ta'budun, you know, uh, Surah Al-Kafirun in the first rakah, and Qul huwallahu ahad, Surah Ikhlas in the second rakah. The other uh, 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 approach to it is to recite the ayah from Surah Al-Baqarah. قُولُوا آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ وَمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْنَا وَمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَى إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَإِسْمَعِيلَ وَإِسْحَاقَ وَيَعْقُوبَ وَالْأَسْبَاطِ وَمَا أُوْتِيَ مُوسَى وَإِيسَى وَمَا أُوْتِيَ النَّبِيُّونَ وَمَا أُوْتِيَ النَّبِيُّونَ مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ لَا نُفَرِّقُ بَيْنَ أَحَدٍ مِنْهُمْ وَنَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ This is Surah Al-Baqarah, I don't know, in this sunnah approach to the two sunnah of Fajr, in the second rakaah, you recite the ayah from um, uh, from Surah Ali Imran. Surah Ali Imran. قُلْ يَا أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ تَعَالَوْا لَا كِلَمَةٍ سَوَاءٍ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ أَلَّا نَعْبُدَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَلَا نُشْرَكَ بِهِ شَيْئًا Okay. Um, one ayah, one ayah. And that's rare, by the way. Ayah and ayah. And obviously, kafirun and ikhlas are very short. There are three, four ayahs, but they're short. Whereas these are quite long ayahs, but they're still just one ayah. And the whole point is, is that 
that's the approach. So you either recite Kafirun and Ikhlas or you recite from Baqarah and Ali Imran, these two verses. Um, and so that's a, that's a unique characteristic. And it's a sunnah to alternate. So it's sunnah to stick to yani Kafirun and Ikhlas and it's a sunnah to stick to Qulu Amanna Billah and Qul Ya Ahl Kitab Ta'alu Ila Kilmatin Sawa. Yani that is a sunnah as well to have this dual kind of... Uh, 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 Oh, uh, sorry, uh, Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 136. And, Ya Ahlul Kitab, Qul Ya Ahlul Kitab, someone should check, yani, which, which, uh, which uh, ayah that is in Surah Al-Imran. Because it says here, 52, and it's definitely not 52. I'm no Zakir Naik, but it's definitely not 52. Right? Maybe that's a mistake. Maybe I, I'm, I probably, that's probably me. It says here 52, but I've got some doubt about that. Um, okay, the fifth characteristic, and we'll start coming to a close here before we get murdered. Okay, it's one hour. Um, the fifth specific characteristic is that there is a sunnah which is associated with these two uh, units, which is to have a little rest by laying down on your right-hand side after you perform them. Okay? Um, now... This is something which the scholars differed over, and here are the various opinions. Some of the scholars said that this is not a sunnah at all. Some said that it is a full-on sunnah, 100%, absolute sunnah. The third opinion, which is the opinion, opinion, uh, class position, is the position of Sheikh Islam ibn Taymiyyah, okay? Um, and I think Sheikh Uthameen himself kind of leans towards it, even though he doesn't really kind of spell it out. But this is certainly my position and the position of the majority of scholars, I think, I would argue, in fairness. The third position is that it is a sunnah only for those people who pray Qiyamul Layl. So those who have done Qiyamul Layl, because the hadith which mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ did that, mentioned that he just finished Qiyamul Layl. Right? So that's the third opinion. Right? And the idea behind it is the logic, yani he's already uh, got up early, and it's not like he slept all the way till Fajr. He got up early, prayed a third of the night, half of the night. So he's tired and we need to, uh, 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 you know, we need to, um, uh, what's it called? Um, we need to get some rest so that we can really, you know, have a banger when it comes to Salatul Fajr, have full energy. So he'll just relax, rest. He wouldn't go sleep, but he would lie down on his right hand side. And the fourth opinion which was held by Imam Ibn Hazm, alayhi rahmatullah, <laughs> which is a, a, one of those crazy ones, that actually this lying down on the right-hand side, uh, man, this has been said to be narrated from him, but you know, it's a madness. That this lying down on the right-hand side is actually a condition for the validity of the Fajr, fajr prayer, the, obliga the obligatory Fajr prayer. If you don't lie down on your right-hand side, the Fajr prayer has been invalidated because this is a pillar of, this is a condition. <laughs> it's a madness. It's a madness. Um, and the reason that he said that is because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam إِذَا صَلَّ أَحَدُكُمْ This is because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that if one of you prays the two units of Fajr, then let him lie on his right after them both. Okay? <laughs> you can indeed rely on Ibn Hazm for a while time. Then let him then right, lie down, 
Let him, let, let him lie down, take a rest. This hadith narrated by Imam Ahmed, volume 2, hadith 415, narrated by Abu Dawood as well. Probably easier to find for reference in team. Abu Dawood 1261. Uh, okay. Imam uh, Tirmidhi considered this hadith to be Hassan Sahih a gharib. Okay. You must lie down. <laughs> That's like music to my ears. For, so Sheikh says that, you know, so Sheikh, Sheikh Ibn Hazm said that therefore the Prophet clearly commanded to lying down. And therefore, you must lie down. Uh, Sheikh Uthameen says something uh, uh, interesting. He goes, this hadith is weak. All right. Now, there's a big discussion about the statement that um, I want. And I know that we're at time. I want to tell you a little story, actually. Very interesting. Beneficial story. Uh, first of all, just listen to what Sheikh Uthameen finishes, says. And then we can finish nice and conveniently uh, at the chapter of making up the uh, Sunnah prayer. Um, he said, this hadith is weak. This hadith where the Prophet Sallallahu says, um, the one I just mentioned just now, if one of you prays the two raka'ah of Fajr, then let him lie down after it. Let him lie down after it. That's the translation, okay? This is weak, and I agree. And I don't just agree because Shaykh Uthameen is saying, and I don't just agree because Imam Tirmidhi said this hadith is gharib, because Sahih Hassan gharib is a, is a phrase that many scholars differed over until the cats came home. But, uh, uh, my study of this hadith thinks that it's weak. And what's actually authentic and very well established authentically is the action of the Prophet ﷺ doing it, which is very different than him telling people to do it. Because as we said, the statement of the Prophet ﷺ is like Hamza uh, shared in the Maxims recently in the Telegram group. Hey, we've got Ma'iza, yani, we need uh, uh, her to be on Telegram group. Guys, always in every class, make sure I don't need to remind you, always give the Telegram link. Yeah, um, so the uh, action of the Prophet ﷺ always allows the action the, to be not obligatory, not sunnah, something specific to the Prophet ﷺ. You know, it's much less emphasized than the statement, which is therefore a khitab or an addressing of the whole nation and it requires action from them. So first of all, I agree, this hadith is weak, but his action is established from him. That's, that action, by the way, is narrated in Sahih Muslim, in Sahih Muslim. Um, hadith number 725 That link by the way doesn't seem clickable Yeah Can someone put him yani, Be less lazy Right And put a link in Kasmi widad Right um, No 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 It wasn't Muslim See this is what happens It was in Oh it is in Muslim Sorry it is in Muslim But the number I said is wrong It's in Sahih Muslim uh, It's the hadith of Aisha She said The Prophet ﷺ, When he would pray The two rakah of Fajr and if I was awake, then he would speak to me. And if I wasn't, then he would lie on his right side. He would lie, he would, he would lie down. He would lie down. Okay? There are other evidences that indicate, other hadith that indicate that it was, that was, that was right. Um, that's noted by Muslim. And that's hadith number 743. Now, that's the first point Sheikh says. That's the first response to Ibn Hazm. Ibn Hazm has made it a condition because he thinks the hadith is authentic. The hadith does actually indicate it's an obligation. So you can see where Ibn Hazm is coming from. So if we make the hadith weak, then there's, you know, that's one point. He goes, secondly, what on earth is the connection with this, yani, lying down to Salatul Fajr Aslan, yani? What, what, what on earth are you talking about? Yeah? Um, yeah, and, he, and he, Sheikh says the benefit from this point is that you realize, you realize that it doesn't matter how high a status you achieve and how perfect you are as a scholar and an imam, as in a leader of the Muslims, you're always still going to make mistakes. And he's talking about Ibn Hazm because Ibn Hazm is the king and the don of the scholars 
But as Maryam says, you are always guaranteed a wild time. Always. So anyway, uh, he then says what Ibn Taymiyyah says is the, the strongest opinion. And that's what Muhammad Mukhtar Shankriti says. And a number of scholars said that actually, if you are praying the night prayer, then you should do it. All right. To give you energy. And it's something which might be not even linked to energy, but you should do it anyway. And the important thing that, that you should learn is that not only is uh, 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 it something that you can do, but if others are awake, then you can speak to them. And also the door is open for you to be making istighfar as well. So it's not an obligation, but it's one of the sunnahs that you should do. Now, let's close with this. All right. So that's the end of the desk. But we're going to do questions now. But I want to share a story with you. In the 90s, 96 maybe, I don't know when, um, I took some time out to go to study in Pakistan. And I went to a madrasa and I'd been studying for a year or two and um, maybe more, maybe. So I was pretty au fait with, you know, fiqh, Arabic, and I was swallowing up, you know, so much, like, you know, cramming and memorizing and cramming. And this madrasa that I went to was hard, the flipping core. Okay, it was like proper madrasa, old school style. Or like some of the kind of, you know, the current ones that you've got. Um, uh, uh, you know, like the Diobandi kind of Darul Uloom types that are strict. Like the one I might have told you that my cousin went to. Where she wasn't even given permission to leave for the marriage of her brother. For the, her brother's wedding. The only time you're allowed that is on Eid. You know, that kind of madness, yeah? So it's that kind of uh, flex. And it was run by Ahlul Hadith. Okay. It was run by Ahl al-Hadith, Jamiat Ahl al-Hadith. You know Jamiat Ahl al-Hadith, right? And it was my first experience of this group in my life. And, uh, you know, I've been studying pretty normative Islam, full yani, in the Sunnah with respect to Aqeedah and Manhaj, yeah? proper upon Salafi Aqeedah since then until now, until I die, inshallah, that's the Sunnah, of course. But never had come across this group the Jamiat Ali Hadith in their fiqh approach, which was like, you know, the madhabs, you know, throw them under the thingy, forget them, you know, we just go to the hadith and we just work it out ourselves, Quran and Sunnah, not just hadith, but Quran and Sunnah, and you know, these imams, they got opinions and they are men and we are men. <laughs> Where's my boy Shaz, Yara? Shazad Salim? Shazad Salim basically stopped me going to uh, uh, meet uh, Habib and he, uh, Habib Nur Muhammad, uh, you know, was here obviously this weekend. And I had multiple opportunities to hook up with him in private gatherings. And Shazad Salim was like, no, we're not going. Okay? And you're not doing it. Because as Sheikh Kihlan says, verily, they are men and we are men. Allah, <laughs> I said, yeah, that's true, Allah. But, you know, he's a sick guy, man. Anyway, so... Here's the thing, um, this is a really good point, Thaqib, actually. It was, I didn't find the medal picture. Uh, well, I've got the medal picture, but I, I, I can't find the one that I use for OBS. I have to upload it to it somehow. I don't know where it's gone. I think Shazad Salim deleted it when he came and was doing something on the computer. I think so, but I don't know. So here's the thing, Thaqib. Sheikh Suhaib Hassan was never affected. Or not very, not very effective, but not very affected by, uh, he was free agent. So he was one of my early teachers. But I, honestly, can you believe? This is going to make you laugh. I didn't know about his political and his, and his social connection to Jamid al-Hadith as a movement, 
until a couple of years after. Until a couple of years after. Okay? And I was always studying with him because he was a, a student of Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar Hassan, of course his father, the Muhaddith, who I had experience of, and through Sheikh Ihlan, who was Sheikh Sahib Hassan's friend, and because Sheikh Sahib Hassan was a student of Sheikh Bin Baz. Jamid al-Hadith doesn't have all of these kind of hookups and connections. So I just want to yani, just, uh, uh, you know, just say that. But it's a good point that you mentioned that. So, and his opinions were very much more yani, in line with fiqh and even a Quran. Anyway, my point is, the story is getting too long. Let me just say that it was my first experience of these guys. And there was a couple of things they used to do which used to blow my mind. And one of those, we used to pray to hajjid every day, right? Every night, I mean, to hajjid, long, proper, you know? It's part of, uh, uh, you know, it was part of um, training and spiritual yeah, anything. It was great. It was great. I learned a lot. Physical exercise, physical training, like absolutely everything, right? But they would blow my mind because they would all come to the masjid and I'd be there and everyone's prayed uh, the uh, two rakah, okay, of uh, uh, sunnah and I'd pray and every single person would just lie down. Like the whole masjid. And I'll be like, what the fish is going on here? I'll be looking around. I've been studying for a while. I'd never seen this whole thing. And I would just like as well. I would like down as well. Thought, you know what? I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be that guy. And I'll be just sitting there like this. Now nobody fell asleep, but they close their eyes. They lie down. And then the iqama would be given and everybody would stand up like magic. This is in the masjid. Everybody. This is notwithstanding the fact that the Prophet ﷺ never did this in the masjid. He did this at his house actually. Right? But it's just, you know, every day they would do that. And then when I left there, I came back and um, there was, we had no access to books. You've got to be very important. You've got to understand there's no Google in those times and there was no books that you go and check things out. Or do research. I had nothing with me. Okay. I, you just have your teachers. And you memorize what they've got with you. And that's it. You know. At that time. Um, anyway. That's just a short. That's a small anecdote. That. Uh, uh, it's a crazy opinion. Well, like to believe. And Jamit al-Hadith have got a lot of opinions like that. Where they take hadith literally. And they're not a million miles off Ibn Hazm. You know. They do things for the sake of doing things. Just because it's a hadith. The fiqh is not great. I'm not going to lie. Still hasn't caught up. Frankly. Frankly. And that's why. When you hear of people, anyway, anyway, that's enough. It was it was actually really genuinely funny. All right, um, let's do some questions, folks. Let's do some questions. Uh, uh, let's see. Right, I, I'm going to go backwards, so please um, uh, put your questions up now. Tayyib, I'm going to start off with. Um, I've been in discussion about the idea that Prophet was made of light. Ugh. They argue that he may not be made of light, but it is clear that he is not a human like we are in physical form, yes. But the question, how can we explain why the Prophet's body do not decompose? Why is it that his sweat was like perfume? Because he has non-human aspects in knowledge, in being, in strength. And there's no problem with that. Okay? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you will find so much. If you want a, like a detailed refutation of the whole Nord nonsense, yeah, and then obviously... Uh, there's plenty of information out there. It's just, it's just so weird, you know, that the Brailvies are still sticking to that. Maybe some Sufis as well. It's just, it's sad. All right. Uh, Harith is saying that, um, oh yeah, the, the vaccine question. Yeah, I think that is halal because the haram vaccines 
out there on the market are minimal, insignificant, and even the ones that some of us would consider to be haram are those which um, are haram over ishtihad, of whether there has been istihala or not, whether the, the chemical composition has changed or not. And I don't think that it is enough to be able to make something haram on that basis, on a matter of ishtihad. I, I, you know, I just don't think that a person's job that is a source of risk in which the majority of the act is halal, the, the intrinsic job, this is very important when it comes to the fiqh of these questions, that you look at the job first. The job is a buyer, right? Or procurement agent or manager or whatever. This is an intrinsically halal job that actually is needed, is good, it saves people money, it's efficient. So, you know, it's not like this is a, a person who drinks or a person who does zina or a person who does steals or does riba. It's an intrinsically halal job with an intrinsically vast majority halal portfolio with some things which are haram and even the haram is according to certain uh, opinions as opposed to anything else. And so that's even with the poor sign of vaccines because even those are considered to be halal by those that believe istihal has occurred. So I think your job is allowed and I think that, you know, and you would just give your norm, as the Prophet said, that in these areas where there might be a few kind of doubts, not this is not some kind of halal way of halalifying a haram job no a, hara- a halal job that's got some issues you give sadaqah to purify it anything that you give Salma says uh, a question from a sister following last week's lesson I really want to pray to Hajjud Salah regularly outside of, outside of Ramadan but my husband is an extremely light sleeper and has severe anxiety and trouble keeping asleep which detrimentally affects his work and life so I try to avoid moving from side to side Skina man me waking up for tahajjud would on the most part make your situation a lot worse. What would you advise I do in this situation apart from making dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alleviates his symptoms? Should I, for example, wake up without an alarm in last third of the night and make dua whilst lying in bed? Sleeping in another room is not an option. That's a really, really good question. And I'm, I'm sorry that I don't know what to tell you because I'd just be blagging it because it's a killer. Um, and of course, not setting the alarm and trusting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you'll wake up at that time and maybe making it a bit later and uh, uh, making dua without getting up and allowing your husband yani, that extra sleep to get to the obligatory when then you obviously have to wake up anyway and he has to wake up anyway. I think that you will get at least the same reward. We believe in this, yani. we believe in the, the, the justice of this religion, the fairness of this religion. We believe that people who are used to an action that uh, do it and they do 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 it but then they're stopped because of some kind of reason whether illness or circumstance then they get the reward of doing that action so i think you're okay i don't think you need to do anything more than that i don't think you need to consider going to another room or anything like you maintain your relationship maintain any what you're doing and i think that you get the reward allah knows best we covered the ideal scenario of praying tarawih for women especially who don't have the option to pray in the masjid what is the ideal scenario that they should have during the night of ramadan Assuming they would sleep during the night too. For example, is it best to pray all eight tarawih in the first third of the night? Or can they leave four rakah of the last hour of the night to the end of the night praying in salah and witr too? No, no, listen. If a woman cannot go to the masjid, she should pray isha at home, pray the sunnah, and then she should get some sleep. Then she should wake up however early she can and spend as much of the night praying at home because she's now gone out of the norm of being someone who's in a masjid where it's sunnah for the community to pray early that's called taraweeh sunnah of the companions whereas for the prophet or praying at home you get some rest or you don't go to sleep at all you just pray the whole night which is you said you want to sleep so you go to sleep 
then wake up and then you pray your qiyam. Don't split the prayer. Do eight raka'ah, make them as best as you can. Are we allowed to without a volunteer? I, in magistrates, I answered this question, I think, on the group. I don't know what I was going to add to it. I do think it's a good thing to do. I think that's, oh yeah, what I want to add to it, Yani, which I didn't have time to write or record, but inshallah, in a couple of weeks' time, when I get to Cairo, I will, inshallah, have time to do a lot more recording and my stress and pressure will be reduced. I'm, everything is a bit difficult at the moment. What I want to say is that, um, yes, the law, the source of the law is kufr. No, we don't agree with it. No, we're not implementing it, but we also recognize that it's a requirement in our religion to reduce evil, to reduce harm, to improve the possibilities of good, to achieve as much of the deen of Allah and his just as much as possible. So you being in a verdict and judging people uh, or help to arrive at the correct verdict with the sunnah in mind and the principles of justice, which are divine as opposed to world man-made, you being there will have an impact. It has an impact in terms of A, ensuring that the bad people get dealt with properly and B, the innocent get protected more and C, to help you, I need Muslims and those that you can affect by being there. There is, I'm a big supporter of that idea. Like I told you in the group, I myself have been wanting to do that, but I've not had the time to be able to commit to it. You can pray the Sunan Rawatib if you have a legitimate reason, if you have a legitimate illness or whatever legitimate okay just normal tiredness you shouldn't be doing that and if we travel for umrah should we not pray our sunnah there as we are travelers i cover that when we are in our umrah groups i do not believe that the sunnah acts should be prayed no but you in you swap that for general sunnah units general sunnah units rivers is saying i couldn't find anything definitive in the lp notes is my understanding correct on rafa'idain for four dhuhr so four positions first before ruqwa yep Allahu Akbar, then Sami Allahu Liman Hamidah, number two, and then returning from sujood, no. Returning from the sujood is only after two raka'ah. So there's four. There's at the beginning, Allahu Akbar, everybody agrees on that. Then before you go ruku'ah, then when you come back up from ruku'ah, and then not when you come up from sajda. It's only when you come up back up from uh, from tashahud, when you've done at-tahiyyatu lillah, and then abuduhu wa rasuluh, and you're standing back up, that's the fourth and final one. Okay, those are the four. Qamar um, says, can we pray two sunan before the two fard for, 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 for fajr when traveling with the... Can we pray two times sunan, sunan before the two fard for fajr when traveling with the intention to copy the Prophet ﷺ, even though it is sunnah to not pray sunnah when traveling? No, 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 no. Qamar, I didn't explain this clearly. It is a sunnah to always pray Salatul Fajr Sunnah. It's an exception to the rule. Don't confuse yourself. Always. Sunnah Ratiba are prayed every day, Zubair, not just on Friday. Every single day, the Sunnah Ratiba are prayed. How do the Hanafis pray the four Sunnah pre Zuhar? They pray just like the Fard prayer. Zuhar Fard prayer, Zara. Okay? All right, Sara's uh, uh, thingy, Sara's uh, 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 thingamajig, the formal continuous. So we got to get a good phrase for that, guys. Yeah, let's hook that up, man. All right, let's get it to like Mesa or something. I don't know, man. We've got, I've, got to, I've, got, I've, got to have, I've got to translate the notes sometime, maybe Monday. So let's have it Monday. The formal continuous supererogatory prayers, uh, two units, Dhuhr, and two units after it, and two units after Maghrib, and two units. Well done. And two units. That's like a Cockney version of the Sunnah of the day, yeah? 
So two units after Maghrib and two in its after Isha and two units before Fajr. And these two are its most, most emphasized. And whoever misses any of these, I think that it should be a semicolon. Whoever misses any of these, it is a sunnah for him to make it up. All right. So the established routine supererogatory prayers are the ratiba or rawatib, always done, done continuously, linked to the daily fard prayers. The number of the sunan rawatib, uh, the main point of contention, contention is, is T-I-O-N, but anyway, is how many sunnah raka'at are associated with dhuhr? 10 raka'ah and 12 raka'ah or 14. This is not a, 14 raka'ah is not a weak minority opinion. It is a, it's the opinion of the minority. There's hadith upon it and the hadith is sahih. It's not weak, but it's not a dominant position. The hadith is not the strongest, this, which is different from the hadith being weak. And those numbers are correct. The, the sunnah, the characteristics of the two fajr, of uh, the two sunnah fajr, is that the two rakats before Fajr are more emphasized than any of the others due to the hadith stating that they are better than the word and everything in it. Correct, they are legislated when one is at home or traveling. Yep, they are very short and light. The Prophet used to make this sunnah so quick and light that Aisha radiallahu anha would doubt whether he even read the Fatiha. He did. This is to show how quick it was. Very good. Some surahs to be read in these raka'at. Surah Kafir in the first raka'at, Surah Ikhlas in second raka'at. Surah Al-Baqarah verse 100 and... Um, where's the uh, notes? I think it was 136, I think it was. Uh, and Ali Imran, 64 in second raka'ah, very good. After praying, laying down on one's right side, based on the action of the Prophet Sallallahu um, that's a, a characteristic, but there's difference of how important this is. Some arguing this is uniquely for the Prophet Sallallahu because, because he was up all night praying. And some, Ibn Hazm, argue it is compulsory for the validity of the prayer. The class position and Ibn Taymiyyah said, if one has been praying Qiyam all night, one should practice a sunnah and lie down because of rest reasons. Is a flexible matter. One can talk to the people after the sunnah or make istighfar, etc. Uh, nice reminder in this class. All right, thank you. Uh, is it sunnah? I think we might have to call it because we're getting late and uh, we didn't really achieve yani, me being accurate on one hour because we've just gone to mental levels now. The questions is it sunnah to switch the order of the sunnah prayer? So praying two units before the and four units after the so still totaling to 12. Uh, no, if you're going to pray 12, then you should make the 4 before, 2 and 2 before. With regard to the reward of a palace for praying the Rawatib Sunnah, is it praying them regularly? This is the most common question on this issue. Is it praying them regularly and you get one palace, or each day you pray the Rawatib 12, you get a palace in Jannah? The scholars differ over this as well. There are some actually that said it's one palace for every day. I follow the opinion that it is a uh, habit, which is the, the house, as opposed to every single day. But there is many scholars that said, yep, yeah, take the hadith literally. You get one palace for everyone. You can never have enough homes, guys. All right? You can never have enough homes. Um, is there a humbly sharh of Zad al-Mustaqni which discusses the evidences of their chosen positions in this text? Arud al-Murbi' is probably good. Okay? No, I don't think we criticize their positions. I criticize I, or I come across as critical. But their positions are very well established. But Arud al-Murbi' probably. And there are certainly modern works by humbly scholars which are commentaries and notes to commentaries on Zad al-Mustaqni, where they will go very hardcore def defending the Hanbali Madhab. And I've always told you I'm not interested in teaching a Madhab, I'm teaching that which I think is more relevant to people and giving them options for their own Madhab and so on. Um, and Aqeedah calls Tayyibah, I'm not sure, to be honest, there's so many, but uh, uh, I'm sure that, uh, ask in the group, yeah, we'll, we'll choose one in the group, Telegram group. Is it permissible for non-Mahram men to see pictures of a woman without hijab after she passes away? No. Nope. Photos should not be made available. Okay. 
uh, uh, there we go. Fatima said, "Yani Yasser Qadi is one on YouTube." Is there a concept of people of the grave? You know, let's leave that and Tahajjud. Let's leave that. And uh, is there soon? Must be regard. Oh, sorry. My, I beg, I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. My apologies, Zubair. My hera, thank you. I wasn't. You know, I told you my head was gone. Uh, obviously, Jumaa. So, in my opinion, no. There's no sunnah, sunnah for Jumaa at all, actually. So that's my position, but we'll come to that in its right place. Okay. Um, uh, uh, that's the sunnah, uh, Hanafi way for Siha. When attending the masjid for Fajr, is it correct to pray two raka'ah? No more questions, everybody, please. When attending the masjid for Fajr, is it correct to pray two raka'ah for the masjid, then the sunnah? No, Niaz, no. There is no such thing as two units to hear to the masjid. There's no actual two units that are for the masjid. Actually, the Tahitul Masjid is a prayer that is prayed in the masjid before you sit down. So if you arrived at the Iqama, your Tahitul Masjid would actually be the obligatory prayer that you pray with the Imam. If you arrived there early for Fajr and you got only enough time to pray two units, well, even whether you got time or not enough time, you would intend the two units of Fajr and that would be your tahiyyah of the masjid. The whole point is, is that when you arrive at the masjid, you're meant to welcome the masjid with prayer and not go and sit down or chill or go to the office or do. You've got to pray before you do things in the masjid. You've got to respect the masjid. There's no such thing as two separate, you know, units for the tahiyyah masjid. Okay. Um, whether to raise the hands is a... Mesa's answer that question. Yusuf says, if an imam leads taraweeh with witr in a masjid, but is limited by the committee or congregation to lead for a short amount of time. What options are available for the Imam to pray more Qiyam al afterwards at home? I think that this Imam, he is allowed to pray unrestricted amount of uh, uh, night prayer that satisfies him by himself using the flexibility of those scholars who said that the action of the Prophet to pray two raka'a and nafal is, a one, is one so that the matter becomes flexible upon people who are in difficulty. I, I like that opinion and I think that's how you would use it. Uh, for your effort in last breath, LP Nurul Basair, art on the Telegram group, everything else you do. Dislike, despite life being extra, te extra testing these days, is you know, subhanAllah, maybe this is less testing because it's tough and the real test was with anyone else chilling. Honestly, may it be a form of Sadaqah Ja'ameen, increasing rank on the Dajjad Ameen. Much, much, much appreciated for your sentiment, Sarah. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all of that reward to all the people who attend all of that. It's only any, uh, as good as the people who attend. So, Barakallahu Fikum Wajazakumullah Khair, guys. I appreciate your um, uh, attention and focus. And uh, again, we went over time, but I honestly, Mesa, took your threat and your upset very seriously, Ashazad Salim. And let's keep it at, although Umm Ibrahim is very quiet today, I think she missed the lesson today. She would normally have given us a warning as well, but I think it's because I said an hour. I took her, uh, her thunder and stole her storm, and it is what it is. Barakallahu Fikum, guys. Jazakumullah Khair. Uh, art this weekend if you got time 10 o'clock till 2 o'clock UK time that's the one almagrib.org slash art or you can join the Canadian one which is their own time 11 till uh, 3 Canadian EST time uh, join you love it it's light it's not thick heavy like you know it's a buzz though it's a buzz and let me make it clear it's not proper you know like the classes that we like and that we do and that we specialize in because that's all I do right but this is now Quran chilling enjoying and going yeah and being a kid again. You know what I'm saying? With the Quran. Being a kid again. Alright guys. Barakallahu feekum. Wajazakumullah khair. Wassalamu alaikum. Warahmatullahi. Wabarakatuhu.